Well, that's how the church feud started. It seems in Bubbaville, they had called, the search committee had called the new pastor to Bubba's church. And on that first day where every pastor wants to just deliver the most eloquent, wonderful message, right, John? They're out there just trying to do it when everybody over. Bubba's sitting on that first row. And that new preacher is going on. And he starts about 1045. It's 1030. It's 1045. It's 1130. It's 12 o'clock. It's 1230. And Bubba is fuming. Smoke is coming out of his ears because after 1 o'clock, finally, this new preacher Wraps it on up, unaware of how much time had gone by. They say sometimes preachers don't need a clock in the back, they need a calendar. Well, this was one of those guys. And on the way out, which there was only one way out, preacher went back there, was shaking everybody's hand until he got to Bubba. You could see Bubba was upset and uh, extended his hand, and Bubba shook his hand and said, Preacher, th- Thank you for today. Well, you're welcome, Bubba. What'd you think? Well, I've been here my whole life, and we've had 19 preachers here. You're the 19th. And you are the second best preacher we ever had. The preacher kind of puffed up, and they talked for a little bit more, and Bubba's walking away. Say, Bubba, said the preacher. Who was the... The best one you ever had. He said, well, all them other 18 tied for first. (laughs) As we look at a message today, it's not going to deal with a feuding church, but a feud you and I deal with having to do with sin and temptation. As we look at the life of Joseph, there's some really poignant personal lessons here today. If you listen carefully, the Holy Spirit of God may speak a word into your heart today about temptation and sin. Thank you if you're watching on our simulcast today. Blessed to have you join with us wherever you are. The story of Joseph is an incredible story. The narrative tells about the kinds of things that are very real. Very real in our world today, and we're going to look at something that's important, and that is this. You can ask yourself the same question. Is your testimony for sale? Joseph's testimony wasn't for sale. As we look at our passage today, we pick up in Genesis 39.10. The Word of God says, And though she spoke to Joseph, Day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And so it starts. Joseph had remained steadfast by avoiding the tempter or even be with her. And so he practiced some things were called due diligence. If there's something that is drawing you into the wrong thing, you need to remove yourself from it. And by the way, 
lest you think you're the only one that has a temptation to disobey, to be in the wrong kind of relationship, to think that no one is looking when you're looking at the wrong thing on your cell phone or laptop or whatever you look at, to think that, well, I have this sin that no one sees. It's a sin of unforgiveness. It's a sin of jealousy. It's a sin of hatred. It's whatever. Look at this. Recognize something. That temptation is universal. Word of God talks about that. In fact, it tells us, bring up that uh, passage, if you wouldn't, uh, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So the bottom line is, God has a way to lead you out of the temptation, but you have to follow him. You have to listen to what he has for you. Has he tempted you in something this week? Have you been tempted in an area this week in your dating life, where your eyes go, and sins of omission that say, well, I'll witness next time? You see, the sins and temptations are multitudinous in nature. Sins of commission are things that we do that are wrong. Sins of omission are things that we should have done but neglected to do. And probably, probably all of us fall more into that category. Should have prayed more. I read a recent study that said that many, many people, it was regular church attenders, so it didn't define denomination. But it said when asked anonymously on a survey, how often do you pray during an entire week between services? One of the more prevalent answers was twice. Twice. Throw in there how many times you read God's word. Once, maybe. And some of that may be on a device that's just simply a devotional that's read in two minutes and gone away. So it's important that we listen today and see what we're talking about. There's some universal things that come our way. So you have to strip away things and stop cheating It's solitaire and say, God, are you speaking to me today? Do I have a feud with you that's a passive-aggressive feud where I'm not listening to you? So... Let's get on with it. Young people in particular, although this applies to you and your workplace, working adults, or your neighborhood, or who you socialize with, who you hang with is who you become. You hear what I'm saying? Because it's true. I don't know from something I read. I know because I bought into that. And there's some ways you can be popular, and there's some ways you can find some success in this world. But if you want to become a person of God, I'm not saying don't have friends who don't know Christ yet. Please do. Please be a witness to them. Please act in a manner that's consistent with God's Word. But I want to say something to you. Hang with those who can be a blessing and encourage you and take you to higher ground. Those people are your friends. Someone that can speak truth into your life and say, wait a minute, we have accountability here. So I'm going to ask you, the last two days, if you looked at your phone and seen something on there you don't need to see, I want to ask you, how is your dating life going? And don't tell me good. I want to ask, how is this going regarding purity? 
Married folks want to ask how your marriage is going. Are you giving free rent in your brain to the wrong things? You see, these are prevalent sins in our world. They're in front of everybody. And adults, these young people are exposed to more than we ever could have been in a generation ago. And I'm talking about all the way down to middle school and less than that. They are. The Word of God says, this is not a secular saying on a Hallmark card. Look what it says. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Be careful, particularly young people. Where you spend your time, and I've seen over the years, I want to make this very general, some people have started to hang with the wrong people, and there's some entry-level drugs that only one time you will lose control, potentially, of the rest of your life. You will lose control of being able to do the things that you want to do just one time. And you'll think, well, it's just this once. I've seen other people do it, and they're okay. You may not be the one that survives that. I thought I, I could be the exception just like many of you do. But I would tell you something. Once you get under the influence of something that's addictive, it doesn't have to be a substance. But I'm saying to you, there are enough entry-level drugs in our world today that are in your schools that will keep you a slave your whole life, however short that may be. Secondly, remember, you, you are, you become who you hang with, and remember, go ahead, thank you, you can write in the next one. A daily relationship with God through prayer, it's almost a duh. Why are you there, Pastor? We know about that. Because, what I cited earlier, many people do not spend time talking to God during the day. Talking to God is not some form of place when you're driving your car and you kneel down, you put it on uh, cruise control and hope God steers it. Talking to Him during the day. God, I'm really having a struggle today. I just left the workplace, and I'd like to kill one of those people who work with me. They make me so mad. Talk to God about it. You can have a conversation. He will give you Scripture. It was Holy Spirit. He can calm you down. Many a driver has been saved from me crashing into their car because God has been with me. Right? But here, here's what the Word of God says. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 13, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, the evil one cannot have your soul. If you're a born-again believer, you have been purchased by the blood of Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What don't know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. God's already purchased you, body, soul, and spirit. The devil can't have you, young person, but he can have your testimony. Joseph's testimony was not for sale. Period. Next slide. You have to have that. Bring up that next one if you would. You need to carry a weapon. Say, okay, you told me to pray. What do I pray? There's some very specific things you can pray. You can start with transparency, and you can go on from there. Carry a weapon. Memorize Scripture that will target your temptation. So if you have some issues with forgiveness, there's some great passages on forgiveness. Read about a, a parable that Jesus talks about, a man who was forgiven so much, and he can't forgive someone else for a little. Read about it. Study. Take those patches. Memorize them. Call them back to your mind. If you have a, a, a dealing with lust, deal with that. There's so many passages with it. Have an issue with another sin called worry. There's some great patches on worry. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. You have a problem with control. Thank God none of us do. 
there's some great patches on that. Who's in control? How God works things together for good. Trust all those issues. Memorize them. Do you realize we're living in a lazy world today? Because we don't have to memorize anything anymore. I don't have to learn facts. I'll just look it right up. Hide it in your heart. That's what the Word of God said. It's always been right to do that. Carry a weapon. Memorize scriptures that target your temptation. So when it comes, you already know, God, I need to pray through this verse. It's really hard to go into that temptation when you pray before God. When you see yourself before the throne of God, praying through that verse. Next slide. The Word of God tells us the weapons we fight, excuse me, we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's another great verse to memorize. Because God says when that's coming to your head, take it captive. It's a military term. And it means take it captive. Don't arm your, the person you have captured that's going to kill you with a gun. And don't take a stick to a sword fight. The sword is the word of God. Don't take your little logic to it. Take God's word with you and apply it. Next slide. Understand your areas of weakness. Do you understand about yourself those areas of weakness that affect you? You see, you can go over in your mind right now some things that might affect you. What are they? Are they interpersonal things? Are they God-related things? Do you have an issue with God himself? God needs, God already knows about it. Talk to him about it. God, I want to bring up something to you now you may not be aware of. Don't interrupt me. I'm reading the Sunday funnies, whatever, you know. God's aware of it. Understand your areas of weakness. God, I have trouble getting up early. I have trouble saying your word. I have trouble concentrating. God, I have trouble. Whatever it is, talk to him about it. You see, when we start to tell on ourselves, we start to unravel some of the lies we've believed in all these however many years. Understand your areas of weakness. James 1.14 tells us, but each one is tempted when he is what? By his own desire, he is dragged away and enticed. You want to see how it happens? People write about those two words all the time. Dragged and enticed, two hunting terms. I've got here just a, a magazine. It's, it's so old. Well, it's actually, it's hunting and fishing. And I have that specifically because dragged is a hunting term. Fishing is an enticed term. Both of those words in the Greek language refer to how you capture an animal. In fact... Some of the root of that has to do with the term when you put something on your fishing line. We decide, what, what, what's, what are the fish hitting today? And it starts with an L. It's called what? A lure. Lord. Why do you think they call it that? You get lured to the sin. You see, the bait promises more. It promises, oh my goodness, that thing looks delicious. I would be more complete if I just had that. And this talks about those different things you can use for hunting and for fishing to either be hiding to get the animal or to put on your fishing line. By the way, there's an ad for Remington, um, Remington Arms Company on the back of this. And I'd sure like to purchase about 100 of these. I know that sounds politically incorrect. 
I'm talking about the price of these things. You can buy their finest gun here for $58.10. I may just copy that and send, can I have 100 of these, please? That's what I'm talking about. Wow. But there it is. It's 91 years old from 1929. uh, And by the way, it's so long ago. That's when a magazine was um, five cents. Hmm? And I know, listen, adults, I'm young people saying, what's a magazine? (laughs) What in the world is that? That's what that is. Anyway, um, hunting and fishing. So what happens? The animals to see the bait and go to it because it promises more than it can deliver. It promises something. You see, the thing about sin, it does promise something. If you have some chocolate on that rat trap, the chocolate smells good. It looks good to the eye, smells good to the senses. I'd love some of that. But see, there's a reward coming. Everything has another consequence to it, doesn't it? The fish sees that and says, wow, does that thing ever look good? That's the best looking fly I've ever seen. Going along the water, the perfect action. I'm going to go have that end up in a frying pan, right? That's what sin does, takes us to those places like that. And God wants us to be cleared of that. Carry a weapon and know your areas of weakness so that when it's there, you can deal with it. There's no temptation such as is common to people. So whatever's happening to you, you're not unique in that. But there may be some things that are unique to you. Learn them and say, God, I need to memorize scripture for that. I need to have some weapons. I'm not going to take a stick to a sword fight. Next slide. Joseph's initial victory was decisive. What's the next part say? (laughs) But not final. Luke 4.13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until what? An opportune time. If ever someone was fulfilling of that type of verse, that's what kind of our world does, that's what Potiphar's wife does, isn't it? She sees him, and other dynamics existed in that house, and it was an opportune time. There's lots of opportune times when you're dating, when you're in the office, when no one is looking, and you can just do what you want to do with your artificial intelligence device. It's opportune because no one else sees. Say this again. Joseph's testimony was not for sale. He wouldn't sell it. How much would you sell your testimony for? How do we act when no one's looking? Next. Day after day, the Word of God says. Day after day. You may have a victory, but it's not a final victory. The devil's going to come back in that place. Your own memory can bring it back to that place where you had the victory. No, we've been good. We've dated this long. We're good, doing well. I've been in this office over here. I'm doing okay, doing my job over there. Whatever blank needs to be filled in, fill it in. But it's not through. Day after day, it kept coming back. Remember, it shows just how, what evil does. And evil is like a roaring lion Because the word of God tells us the roaring lion goes around seeking we may devour, wants to kill you, wants to destroy you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be self-controlled as alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
And you might think right now, so I'm just going to say it. You may be thinking right now, well, my sin's not going to be like this. This one got recorded in the Bible. Mine's a private sinner between these two people. Whatever it is, you don't know that. First and foremost, it's not private because God knows it. And you don't know what God was going to do with your life except you sidetracked it and you went down the wrong path. And if Joseph had had that same rationale, look, I've been deprived of this, I've been betrayed, I've been hurt, I'm over here. I didn't even, God, I didn't even perpetrate it. I'm just an innocent bystander doing what the people who've employed me to do, to do. She is my boss. That's kind of a wicked boss when you think about it. She is my boss. I'll just do it and then we'll be okay. Be alert. That's the lure. And that's how tricky the human mind is day after day. You know someone who got fooled with that that you probably have heard of before? Think about it. Someone that was really, really strong. His name is Samson. And he didn't listen to Delilah the first time. Didn't listen the second time. He kept on coming and coming. He finally gave in. You know what happened? Caused him to get his eyes gouged out. I think nothing like dramatic has happened like that to me. I've done my sin a long time, and I'm getting away with it. I'm fine because I carry on the other thing. Let me tell you something. You can look holy, but God says, I want you to act holy. I want you to act separate from it because I'm the one looking at you, and I have plans for your life. I don't want you to sidetrack those with garbage and sin in your life. I want you to live clean before me. I want you to see this next passage. You see, it says, one day he went into the house, day after day, this is happening. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties. See, the Bible puts that there. He's going there to do the right thing. But what happens? And none of the household servants was inside. Joseph knew that. Someone else knew it. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Who would know? Who would know Joseph and Potiphar's wife? It's the perfect crime, isn't it? The perfect sin. Innocent. It's, in fact, it's not even... Let's change that. It was an affair. It wasn't a sin. It's an affair. I tell you something. It would have been a gross sin. I want you to see something. Bring up the next slide. She caught him by the cloak. By the way, this is the second time that Joseph had his garment stripped from him. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that ironic? Even as a theme through that, and eventually he's going to get another robe. It's going to be a, a royal robe. This is the second time. I'm going to say, not again, right? The first time he lost it was in sinful envy. The second time he lost it was in sinful lust. The devil doesn't care how you get stripped of your testimony. He just cares that he can strip it from you. And there's lots of ways he can do it. And one of the easiest ways is to make you live in apathy. Let you live and fail. Well, I'm not doing anything that wrong. I'm okay. Biblical Christianity is not a series of things we don't do wrong. It's a series of day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute worship of God out of love and respect for who he is. And then you will find the path of life. When you live by him and his will, then you find it. You see, the first time was used to deceive Jacob. The second time he lost his robe was to deceive Potiphar. It's the nature of sin. It's deceit. 
And people can use some things and may use some things against you that you did in the right way to deceive others. Oh, that church over there. We've seen some of the different things people leave on websites that are flat-out lies to deceive people away from places like this to teach and preach God's Word. They're just lies. We understand it. And there's sometimes you just have to do with right, period, because you know it's right. And because you know this is where I need to go, not in the way of the world, but I have to have my testimony. Joseph didn't sell his testimony. God doesn't want me to sell my testimony. God wants us to be holy before him. Next slide. Thank you. You see, there are times when acts of innocence are used to convince others of our evil. This is what happened to Joseph, isn't it? He does the right thing. It's like that secular saying, no good deed goes unpunished. You see, if the narrative ended there after Joseph gets, gets dealt with for this because she lies, it looked like, you see, he should have just done it anyway. He would have been okay. What big deal is that? I'll tell you what a big deal is. Anytime you and I rationalize sin, think it's not that bad, remember something. You and I are not the standard God is. And when you rationalize it even just a little bit, it takes you down the wrong road. And you got to get back on where you got off. you got to get back on with him and do what's right. You see, none of the household servants were inside. Joseph had no reason to believe that he would ever be caught. I guarantee you, either listening out there or perhaps some in this room, think, I'll never get caught of that. Do you know how many depositions... I've given over the years of all of my decades of ministry for people who thought they'd never get caught. That's not a matter of me being part of the deposition. People find out. And more importantly, God says, be sure your sin's going to find you out. He had no reason to believe he'd ever be caught if he committed the sin. You see, this is before all this is written. Joseph didn't know that his right response would be recorded for thousands of years. Did he? But it could have been a very different ending to this whole thing. So the question is, how do we behave when no one's looking? How do I behave? How do you behave when no one is looking at you? Is it about you? Is it about your power? Is it about what you feel you deserve? Do you feel gypped? Do you feel like you're the exception? Do you feel like none of those things, I just want to do it because it feels good? You see, we can all rationalize something for some reason. But Joseph said... My testimony's not for sale. I'm not selling my testimony for anything. How do we behave when no one is looking? Unbelievable, isn't it? You see, how do we behave when it looks like we'd never get caught? There's another one. We won't get caught with that. I'm okay. I'll be up in the middle of the night. No one will see. I'll think this in my heart. No one will know. I'll pretend I'm waiting for the opportune time to talk to someone, but the fact is I'm too afraid to do it, or I don't care to do it, or I don't want to put myself out there. Joseph was content to have a spirituality measured by God, not people. That is part of the problem. When you measure, when you let your spirituality be measured by God first, this way, vertically, the other things are going to turn out just fine. Because when God's measuring your spirituality, you're going to live in such a way that's to a higher standard. You're not going to march to the beat of the world. You're going to, or your own flesh, you're going to march to the beat of what God says. You're going to walk by faith, not by sight. That's what God tells us to do. 
the next passage. It tells us what happens. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has brought us what? To make sport of us. He's been brought to us to make sport of us. I want you to hear about your testimony right here. This Hebrew, i.e., this one who sits and prays to his God, came from a place where they have this Jehovah God that Joseph prays to and loves and talks about. This Hebrew, who had been promoted to such a high place, where no doubt there were people starting to gravitate toward him because of how God had put favor upon him. She tries to discredit religion by Joseph. Look what she is doing. Now remember, that may happen to you in your school, in your workplace, your neighborhood, or with your family. Look at religion. Look what it, by the way, we don't have religion. We have a relationship through Christ. Religion is man trying to find their way back to God and earn their way to heaven. Christ is, you can't make your way into heaven in and of yourself, period. You can't earn it. I came to die on a cross to pay your way into heaven, period. I give it. Look, she said to them, the Hebrews brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Wouldn't you like to just slap her in the face for that? I'm telling you. I, God, there you go. God, see? Already. I would. He's doing the right thing, and he's honoring her. And Potiphar. That's how strong his belief was. And she had to go to sleep every night and thinking about herself. This man did what was right. The God of the Hebrews that he professes to know, Joseph kept his testimony. And it may look like he's failing here because it looks like who's going to have the real say? Who has the real power here? Don't answer, but I'm going to ask you again. Who has the real power here? Some people would say, well, Potiphar's wife does. I'm going to tell you, no, God does. That's who has the real power here. Joseph's testimony was not for sale. He left his cloak and ran out of the house. Next slide. Thank you. She saw she, he left it. She found the perfect excuse. When she saw he left his cloak, remember this through your life. Young person, carry it with you into your schools, your university, and your workplace, through your marriages, your whole life. It is far greater to leave something of monetary value for something that money can't buy. Your testimony is not for sale. It's not for sale. Not in your private time, not in your public time. He left his cloak. He left something of monetary value. Where's your cloak, Joseph, when he ran out? What happened to that? It's his story. It's her story. We're going to listen to her story right now. It looks like he lost. But it's way better to look like you lost, to lose something of monetary value for something that money just can't buy. You see, some people have sold their most valuable thing, their testimony, their witness, their opportunity to influence people. Do you think Joseph was thinking at that point, I, God, I'd like you to use this to influence lots of people. How many people over the thousands of years have been influenced for the good by what happened to Joseph? 
You think he was thinking that then? Young person, do you think you may be not thinking that now? You should be. God may want to change your school, your university, your workplace. Those in the workplace now, God may want to change your workplace. I've already been there 20 years. That's not going to happen. Go ahead and think that. See, people that don't have faith say, you show me and I'll believe. God says, you believe and I'll show you. All that happened to Joseph didn't happen within 10 minutes. He didn't make him a leader in 10 minutes. He said, first you get the test, then you get the testimony. If you want a testimony, you have to make it through the test. And God wants you to come through tried and true. God wants you to have the testimony that says, he is my God. He's the one I worship. How do you act when nobody's looking? What do you do when no one will see? What do you do when you think, I'll never get caught? You see, that's where God takes the measurement for life. We have one more. Bring it. Keep going. Thank you. I'm going to say this to you. Today, right here, there's something about our world that tells us we're in a real fight. We have a real fight going on. You have to remember something. God has given you a testimony to be used to him, for him, to bring him honor and glory. And if there's something in your life you may think it's not affecting that because I still look holy on the outside. I've got most of it right. You've already believed the lie of the devil. Get it all right or seek to get it all right. Don't let your pain, your suffering, your sense of injustice justify getting into the wrong thing, period. Because you'll find yourself with your eyes gouged out. You'll find yourself in a place like Joseph's brothers, a place of embarrassment. You'll find yourself in a place like Potiphar's wife. I thought, we're not going to get caught. I'm sure not going to tell. Joseph could have done the wrong thing. But your faith gets measured when you're there, when you think you never can get caught. No one else is looking, but God always is. And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Joseph diligently sought him. Pastor, I don't feel like I have a very exciting journal or diary in my life. Well, let it be. Start to live for God. Live on the edge. Start to live differently. I tried that. It didn't work. How long did you try for? A week? Joseph was there a long time, and he went and he brought a testimony into Egypt. He had everybody thinking differently than he did. And he stood up and did what was right, and look what happened. You see, a lot of people think, what can one person do? Nothing. What can one person with God do? Thank you. As pastors come forward today, have you answered the question in your mind, is your testimony for sale? Because I don't ask it as just some sermonic motif to go through and say, I'm going to look at that and see, I know I would never sell my testimony. Dear friend, if there's a secret sin hidden in your heart someplace, if there's some things you know that no one else may know except you and God, you need to deal with it today. God, through his Holy Spirit, has brought it to you today. And listen to this. In the early church, there were some people that lied to God. They didn't get struck dead because they held back some of the money. They got struck dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit of God. I don't wish that or want that to happen to anybody. I'm just saying, God set a mode that says, I take sin seriously. Don't sit there and lie to me. Tell me the truth. 
Has your testimony before God been for sale? Just sell it for expediency, for lust, for envy, for unforgiveness, for looking at the wrong things, for giving to someone else that only belongs to your spouse. Adultery is giving to someone else what only belongs to your spouse. Period. Don't adulterate your mind and heart. Don't adulterate your relationship with God with sin of any kind. Live in such a way that God wants to pour out blessing through your testimony and see what God can do. He wants to do great things. If you don't have a church home yet, we invite you to come today to be a candidate for membership here. We're a Bible-believing church that believes salvation is a gift from Jesus Christ. We'd love for you to come if you've received that gift. If you haven't received that gift, friend, very quickly, heaven's going to be a perfect place. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We can't get in. But God did something about it. He came to this earth, Jesus Christ, God who took on flesh. He died for our sins. He paid for them so we don't have any to pay for and clothes us with his perfection or righteousness. Because he died, shed his blood, rose from the tomb three days later, conquered sin and death, and offers you eternal life as a gift. You may not have another chance to hear it. A dear man who sits in that first service we have here hadn't reached his 70th birthday yet. I know some of you that sounds young. But he was in shape, did everything right had a stroke and could never say another word. I had a service here Friday. Get it right today. Confess it to God and move in that way. Today's your day to do that, whether to receive Christ into your life or to get rid of the junk. Joseph didn't sell his testimony. Stand, respond to one of these pastors or deacons up here as we have our time of, a, of an invitation to hear the Holy Spirit.